Hey there, this is Alex with Gray Area. Welcome to our series Spotlight, where our mission is to build a bigger and more united house music community by sharing new and exciting artists, festivals, and event brands with you. In this interview, you hear from Lucy Tudor. The Romanian-born techno artist moved throughout Europe before settling in Seattle, where she discovered dance music. We'll talk about her journey from raver to promoter to producer, and how the clarity she gained during her recovery from substance abuse allowed her to realize her full artistic potential. Be sure to like this video and subscribe for more interviews just like this. Hi. Hi, Alex. Hi, Lucy. How are you doing? How's your day going today? It's going really good. It's been busy since early in the morning, but I'm so happy to be here with you today. Awesome. Great to see you, too. Um, thanks for being on today. We're just going to let, like, give it a few minutes while people filter in before we get started. Um, and we're going to pretend like we weren't talking for five minutes before before this started. Perfect. <laughs> um so you sent me, uh, did you have a release today? Um, you sent me something, a Spotify link. Can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, so super excited. So Lainate's label, This Never Happened, just published my Spotify takeover list, which has one of my tracks on it and then a compilation of some of my favorite current tracks as well. Um, so that just came out this morning and uh, it's really exciting to have his support. It's so awesome for you to be like associated with such a such a large artist, um, even after like only releasing a couple of songs. How does that feel? It feels pretty euphoric and surreal and also incredibly motivating. Like I'm working on a bunch of new stuff um, and just having that kind of support behind you, even, if, you know, from that level, yeah. uh, it just gives you more fuel to the fire of, you know, wanting to. Uh, really exceed and and do something that's really meaningful for all of the people in his his sphere as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you've been around, you've been in music for a really long time, but you've just started focusing on production recently. So it must be it must be incredibly gratifying to have that kind of like that level of support so so early on. It is. It really, really is. And especially like he is an artist that I've uh, admired, looked up to his level of production and the multitude of elements and just the incredible melodies that he creates are incredibly inspiring. So to have this opportunity to have his support and work with his label is, uh, like I said, it's surreal and euphoric at the same time. That's so great. How did you how did you guys uh, meet with meet each other? So it's a pretty amazing story. Um, so I was hunkering down in Tulum producing tracks and one of the tracks specifically uh, called Warrior that I was working on, I was just scrolling through, you know, quote, quote unquote, digitally crate digging on Instagram and on, on all of the other avenues that I use. Yeah. And I came across a track and I listened to it and I was like, wow, this, this vibe and this kind of energy is sort of similar to what I've created. Um, and I noticed it was on this never happened label. And so I had my team reach out to him and submit, submit my track. And a few days later, you know, it came back and, and he really loved it. So that's so awesome. That's like, it's so great to have like a cold, a cold email go that well, especially in the music industry, when you often feel like nobody is listening to anything that you do, or you may send an email off and you never get a response. So it's just so awesome that you were able to like hook up with him that quickly. I think the biggest thing about that uh, too, that feels really satisfying is that, you know, I think as an artist, there's always 
some level of pressure of the level or the type of music you're going to create, you know, and with this yeah. one, I mean, with all of my tracks, but this one, especially, I just tuned everything to out, hunkered down into loom, took some really unique inspiration to create that track and did something that feels pretty, pretty different and out of the box. And so to have that be the track that got picked up by him was just like the universe reinforcing that, um, you know, what I have inside to share with the world is something something worth worth sharing and can resonate with other people. That's beautiful, beautifully said. And that's such a great feeling to know that like your your work and your life's work is being appreciated by by anybody. But also now that it's 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 gonna be out there in the world for so many people to enjoy. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I kind of want to go back because I want to I always like to hear about um what people's journey was like to get to this point. What are your earliest musical memories? So my earliest musical memory. Um, so I was born in Romania and I was born there during communism. Right. And so during that regime, it was like incredibly hard to get any kind of creative artistry, like movies, film, TV, like people would live in a building, like an apartment building, and maybe only one person would have a TV. And if like one movie made it through, everybody would huddle around that TV and like watch it. And I remember whenever we would see like the Lionsgate, you know, thing come on, like we, everyone would get excited, like, oh my gosh, this is a movie from America and it's like gonna be super special. And it was like that with music too. And um, my earliest musical memories are twofold. So like one, my dad actually played piano in college and he would do like a sort of like a, a Saturday Night Live type of thing uh, in the basement, like doing comedy and stuff and playing piano. And he told me about about what he did when he was in college when I was really, really young and kind of shared with me how important art is in activism and, and all that stuff. Then the other memory I have is watching Thriller by Michael Jackson when I was like, I don't know, four or five years old or something. And like that would be on repeat because again, it was like the one thing that kind of got through from America and people were so inspired by and had this image of the American dream and seeing music or movies from there was like a really big deal. That's that's such a like magical memory, especially like for that to happen with all of those crazy things going on around you. Um, it must have been like, you know, music must have been some kind of solace from all of that insanity yeah yeah i mean absolutely music when i throughout my whole life has been a solace from from all of life's challenges so absolutely um so you moved you moved when you were five you said yeah so when i was five years old uh the revolution happened in romania and uh my dad knew that things were not going to get better right away yeah so he crossed over and took a journey to germany asked for political asylum, and then brought my mom and I over a few months later. Um, and so the first stop we made on our journey towards the U.S. was Germany when I was five years old. And you moved several times more uh, after that before you ended up in the U.S., right? I did. Uh, we moved, I counted one time, and I think by the time I was in high school, we had moved 17 different times in terms of cities, but then the U.S. was the fourth country that I lived in by the age of 11. How do you think that that experience of like being moved around so much? Um, and obviously, I, I'm going to assume that you soaked up a lot of different a lot of different music along the way. Um, how did that help construct your musical DNA? Yeah, I mean, so first off, uh, 
it it really gave me a ton of diversity because on one hand i was trying like any young person does try to fit in right so like i was trying to assimilate to certain cultures and so i would pick up the the what was the the musical experience in those different areas and then on the other hand i had what really makes me feel alive and passionate so from very early on i explored you know warehouse raves um and started exploring electronic music then on the other hand, I was also really passionate actually about, about underground hip hop, which you, I read that you're from Oakland. So like, yeah. actually that's also big influence in my life. And then on top of that, when I think about constructing a set or uh, production elements, because I'm so fascinated by other cultures or people in my community, as we call it, third culture kids, people that grew up in more than two cultures during developmental years. So I will actually sometimes go out and look up a country when I'm looking on a platform for music to see what is popping up in an obscure or different country that typically people might not give a voice to. Yeah. And I'll download and explore that music because I wanna bring all the different voices from the world together. That's so interesting um, to one, have that in your background, that kind of cross-cultural, that cross-cultural competency in your background. Um, I imagine it also kind of helps you in the music industry to be to be able to say shapeshift that much. You're able to like have discussions with people on a deeper level and to be able to connect with your fans and like dance floors when you're DJing in different ways too, I imagine. Absolutely. And and it's also just like having this strong inner knowing that no matter where you're from, who you are, that at the end of the day as humans, like what we're seeking is connection. And um, I know that firsthand from like the experiences that I had. And, and I think that also allows a sense of connection and calmness with the audience as well, because yeah. no matter where I'm at, not only is it a sense of understanding and relatability, but I just know that no matter where we're coming from, what we want is connection and, and understanding. And on that note, when did you first start to connect with uh, dance music and when did you start to really fall in love with it? Yeah, so really early on, I like actually researched even the roots of like Kraftwerk and like Bella Brothers, you know, going back to Chicago house music, all of that stuff when I was like in high school, I was equally passionate about that and psychology and uh, sci-fi for some reason, those are <laughs> the three things that I really loved to read, explore, listen to. And there was this place called NAF uh, in so in Washington State where I was living um, and a couple other warehouse parties and, and a place called Electric Tea Garden. None of these places exist anymore, but that's where I felt like I could get away and away from myself and, and some of the pain that I was feeling as a teen from having moved so much and having different experiences and yeah. finding community regardless of that was sort of separated from like societal norms. And that's when I really started connecting with it uh, was basically in high school at a really, really deep level. Um, and from then on, it's just been, it's been such a big part of my life even before I started really producing and, and performing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that too. Um, before you started, you took kind of a different path um, than a lot of producers and DJs do. You got into dance music and then you became a promoter. And you really pushed forward in that. Can you talk about um, your journey from from really discovering dance music to now where you're actually like being a creator? Yeah, so I started promoting, uh, it was in Seattle. And basically each week there was a night uh, probably at any of the major clubs there. Sea Sound Lounge that's no longer around was probably my favorite spot. And then like 
Trinity and Venom and some other ones. And um, we would, you know, create different nights and experiences. My my former business partner for that, um, he's gone on and gone into tech. Um, but we always talk about how like actually doing nightclub promotions gives you the best, like most acute life experience, like in a very like very sort of a close knit environment and very quickly you gain life experience because yeah. you're dealing with people, you're dealing with humans, you're dealing with artists, locations, events, like all these constraints. Um, and, but I just loved it so much because I got to be a part of it in a way that um, I wouldn't have been able to have been a part of it. And I always thought about how I would want to DJ and produce. And I had to get over some inner struggles in order to get to the point where I had to meet my authentic self and start producing and performing. But it started out by ways of promotion. And then I even started co-creating with um, a woman, True Love. She's an artist who's my best friend. We would take out of Tractor the visual waveform of your favorite sound, and she would create that into a painting. So we did that for a couple of years. So it was like I was always dancing around the idea of I want to do this and 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 express myself through creating music and, and actually DJing. Yeah. But I was always dancing around it from a few different facets because there was some inner struggles that I had to get through in order to get to that point. Right. And then what what changed in your life that that made it possible for you to to push through that and become a creator? Yeah, so huge milestone in my life. I just passed the the seven year mark, but I got into recovery from from addiction from substance use disorder. And what that really meant for me was meeting the darkest parts of myself, the parts of myself that I hadn't loved yet. And um, set everything else aside, expectations of myself, of other people had of me, and just hunkered down and focus on getting into recovery and rediscovering who I really am on the inside. And that started building self-love and confidence. Mm. And it really uncovered the inner courage that I had to just do things because I love them, you know, without any expectation. And that's the thing. I started DJing and producing out of love for it and because it felt therapeutic. And it's the only time in my life where the chatter in my head really quiets down and I'm just mm. able to focus on this. And that's been an incredible experience. And that's how it really started. Um, it, it started because I wanted to do something that I loved by myself in my apartment um, and with a few close people in my life that that um, I asked to, to mentor me. So um, this is this is a point where me and you relate. Um, I've been a lifelong musician, but when I first discovered dance music, I also struggled with substance abuse. And I always wanted to continue in music. And it wasn't until I put that behind me that I was able to, to move forward. Um, so it's really inspiring to hear that, like pushing through that and finding your authentic self and like really beginning to love yourself, you were able to push through that and then discover this new thing about yourself that you really loved. And the discovery of music just for the sake of loving music is truly special. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, it, thank you so much for sharing that part of your story. I obviously didn't know that. And that's incredible to find other people that have gone through that because coming out on the other side, as you probably know, shows you that there are infinite possibilities on the other side and actually things expand more because I have talked to artists that are like, oh my gosh, if I get through this, am I still going to be creative, like being in recovery? And actually it's like, yeah, like a lot of us are even more creative in our, in our new journey. <laughs> Absolutely. It only gets better because there's 
there's clarity and there's there's like this you look back on that and you're like I got through this and now I can push forward. I I'm a better person because I that happened to me and again the clarity that you experience afterwards is just incredible. Absolutely. Um so you've you've kind of touched on this before but you've had a lot of day jobs in tech. Um how do you think your understanding of technology has made an advantage for you as a creator? So it's been huge. So um, what I juggled uh, career-wise, um, starting career-wise, was yeah. actually managing and building uh, technology teams of system engineers and software engineers. And what I would do is because I was so fascinated with technology, which is obviously what a lot of production is, right. um, I would actually ask the engineers that I had hired at these various companies to sit with me during lunch and actually explain like, what is the system and what's going on in the screen and how does like coding work? And even though I was, you know, on the business side of it, I was fascinated by it. And I always loved building things. My dad's an engineer and a musician, as I mentioned as well. My mom was an engineer by trade before we came. So always been fascinating with building things, whether it's physical or in the digital realm. And so that also gave me the ability to, to do be better at my job. But what's been amazing how things come full circle yeah. It's also given me the ability to pick up producing at a much uh, faster, easier pace. It just makes sense to me. It does feel like I'm actually coding this like emotional experience, you know, kind of like the matrix or something, but That's so cool. it, feels, it feels like, yeah, I'm coding the and uncoding the emotional experience that I want to create for people. And that's how it feels when I'm working in, in Ableton or even with synths and things like that. Um, it's the tinkering and like the building that has really helped me from that past job. I feel like that's something that producers often find struggle with at the beginning too, is getting things to sound good. Um, because there's all these ideas swimming around in your head and getting them onto a screen. I mean, I was going to say onto paper, but that doesn't happen anymore, <laughs> but onto a screen and out into, out into the world is just really difficult at the beginning because it's hard to, to get them to sound good. So I imagine that like, the fact that you can look at something and deconstruct it in that way is really advantageous to you. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely an advantage, but it's also just, again, I think this goes back to my healing and recovery journey, which teaches you to do things despite fear and concern and not future trip too much. And so while there are a lot of ideas swirling in my head, I'm like, that's okay, I can do them all, but I have to pick one to start with. It doesn't mean that I'm not ever going to do the other ones. Because I think a lot of the struggle is actually just starting and then being satisfied enough that even if you don't feel like the thing is done, that you should just send it off. <laughs> so, I like that. Um, so it's more about like just saying like, I'm not saying no to everything else, but I'm just saying not now. And I need to start with one, get that off and then, you know, start with the other. And that helps me manage that, that inner, inner dialogue that I think from my experience, from what I've heard happens to a lot of us. That's that's so great that you have that kind of focus. Um, I'm a little bit jealous, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, we have a question in the chat right now. Um, what form of technology do you think will break into EDM next? For instance, the use of lasers and sets, etc. Hmm, interesting. So I think augmented reality. I mean, it's already kind. It's already happening, and as a result of the pandemic, it started to. But I think that's going to be more and more embedded. And I think we're going to start seeing some clear winners on uh, what sort of a more more widespread metaverse is going to exist. And the, there's going to be some mainstay, quote unquote, venues and ability to interact in there. 
so I think that's one. And then second, which is probably what I'm what I'm personally most excited about is for companies like Magic Leap to actually get aug augmented reality right in the sense that then you can have interaction with holographic like characters that are in person in the venue, but also like are digital to in a certain sense of the word. So I think just more interaction with with the music um, as well, as well as with the actual experience of the show and and combining that from the real world and virtual reality is is where we're headed. Absolutely. I think um, the time we're in too, I think that really opens up really great avenues for artists and brands to connect with new audiences. Mm -hmm. Because what I noticed during the pandemic is like when Twitch sprung open, um, it was it was like a like a dam and burst. And there were all of a sudden all of these brand new fans that had possibly never even heard any of this before that were flooding in just because it was the thing to do. Um, and as a result, like live shows are way more interesting now because mm -hmm. you have like an entire new generation of kids that are out there like listening to dance music. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's totally spot on. Um, let's talk about your production gear for a second because you kind of touched on it and you have some pretty awesome stuff. Um, I saw that I saw you on your Instagram like going to purchase something. Um, and it's like exciting for me to watch like people like discover discover new gear. Do you prefer to stay in the box or do you do you prefer analog gear more? So um that's an interesting question because it's also a, a question of function and where I'm at. Mm. I mean, for me, the priority is to, to continue to create and push out as much as I can and get it out. And so it depends, like if I'm on the road and stuff like that, it's obviously hard to move the stuff, the analog uh, setup, even though I've gotten some things that are pretty compact to a degree. Right. Um, but if, if geography and movement and travel is not a factor, I actually prefer the combination. Like I definitely love the touch and feel. Um, I just got a DFAM Moog and a new uh, product called the Cicada, which I'm super excited about. Um, but I like the combination of the two. And yes, there's sometimes some trickiness to the integration of the two, but I just think digital and analog, they both give you an incredible way to expand like your, your studio in a way that we couldn't decades ago. Yeah. And I think that there is value to that, but the crispness and the, sh the sort of the quality that you get from analog for me, at least is still, is still above uh, what you can do with digital or having, you know, live instrumentalists like recording for you. I don't think that's, that's been matched yet to perfection, yeah. but I also would never do away without the digital because it gives me this expansive way to have everything in one room, which is not possible for every artist. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's so much cheaper now to break into production, um, which is why we have like this explosion of new producers that are doing incredible things in the box. But there's nothing that that rivals the warmth that you get from analog gear or, you know, or from putting a needle to a record. Yeah. And I mean, cheap unless you go to place like perfect circuit in LA. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, if I definitely. go in there, I'm selling my, you know, my house. <laughs> so well, oh yeah, I know. I agree. There's definitely some stuff in digital where I'm like, oh God, I really, really would love to have that, but I just I can't I can't put a mortgage on my house for it. Yeah. <laughs> um 
So I want to talk about something you said in an interview. You talk, you said, and it's a quote. You said your mission is to create experiences that connect humans and humanity in an impactful way. How do you see techno doing that? Yeah, I mean, with music, right? It's frequencies running through your body, and there's even science now that tells us that like those things have an impact on your state of mind. And I think music has the ability to do that. And I can also create these connected experiences for humans in a different way than I was able to before. Um, being able to reach an audience in a closed room for that moment where we're all sh having the shared experience, it's either going to enhance the relationships and the friendships or the romantic encounters that people are having in that space, or it's going to give them a way to escape from whatever struggles they're having. And I think knowing that that's the type of thing that I can create co-create really with the audience is uh, falls right in line with my life's mission. I see that just just as important as other work that people are doing in other categories. I think it all blends in really well together. Absolutely. Um, when I think back on my most impactful relationships in my life, almost all of them have been as a result of music. Um, Same here. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah. Every, and it's funny too, because when I first started doing this, People would tell me, they're like, oh, going to a rave, that's just for fun. You're never going to find anybody of value there. That's just to go out and do do whatever it is that you do there. And that whoever that person was, I don't remember who they were. And for good reason, because they couldn't have been more fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Every important uh, relationship that I have has some way or fashion been tied through music. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on something else, too, because it kind of relates to your idea of of impactful experiences through music. Um, and it's something that's come up a lot in the last year, but the foundation of dance music was activism. Um, dancing at the club is, is a form of activism. It's saying that this is important. Um, and the people that founded the dance music were activists in their own right. Yeah. Um, and you have a background in activism as well and advocacy work. Can you talk about why that's so important, such an important part of your life and how it relates to your, your work in music? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, you know, I'm in recovery from substance use disorder and part of that mission of helping people connect to each other is helping people get into a grounded enough place that they can connect and they're not isolating. So again, it goes back to my life's mission and what I'm seeing in society and while it's changing through the work that's being done is that there's still this discrepancy between people understanding that mental health is physical health. Mm. Like they are actually synonymous, intertwined. They uh, also, there's treatments. I mean, from all facets of it, mental health and physical health are on the same plane, but there's been such a stigma around mental health. And so I see the ability to be in dance music and talk about my experience that other people will relate and not just realize that, you know, it's something you can get easily support for, just like you would go to a doctor's appointment for a fractured leg, right? right. It's something that people should be comfortable doing and talking about. Yeah. But also, again, I believe music is a form of therapy in its own right. And I think being able to use my voice and my music to inspire people to get help and feel supported and also see that people that have gone through this are doing things that they want to be doing to inspire them to pursue their dreams uh, is, is part of why I'm so passionate about the work. That's so powerful. Um, 
And thank you for, for you know, finding that that union between the two because I think it's sort of something that's really really important that we talk about in dance music, especially um, because it often goes by the wayside because we're so a lot of people are so devoted to the excess and the the fun aspect. And, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of issues out there that need to be talked about and we all need to be, be together on this and break that stigma. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I always like to end my interviews by asking the question, what excites you about the future of dance music? Ooh, what a great question. So I believe just like the Renaissance back in 1908 or 1900s or any kind of struggle that the world world goes through, mm -hmm. it actually forces a new wave of artistry and creativity. Like it is the very fabric that makes life meaningful. And so I think while the last couple of years have obviously been a huge struggle for the world as we've gone through this pandemic, what excites me is that, which I'm already starting to see, like there's gonna be tendrils of new interesting powerful art coming out and so i don't know exactly what it's going to look like aside what what is inside me but i know there's going to be a huge variety of just incredible advancements and creativity and emotions spilling out through the art form of dance music that is going to be a result as humans getting through something so so profound um as a as a entire world really absolutely absolutely um thank you so much for that that's so well said um before i let you go is there anything that you want to talk about like on the music front what's next for you um i you you mentioned your your work with lane eight what else are you doing yeah so actually on august 17th so next week comes out my track warrior on this never happened label um lane eight's label which i'm super excited about and then the following week, I actually get to open up on his tour at the Brooklyn Mirage, August 25th through the 27th. There's still tickets out for the 25th. The other two days are sold out, but um, it's today marked the, the beginning of this journey with, with his label. And I am so, so just excited and honored uh, to be supported by such an incredible, incredible artist. That's so awesome. I'm I'm so happy to hear that. And the Brooklyn Mirage is like one of the best venues in the country. So what, a, what an amazing way to like start that journey is to like release, not just release on his label, but to like open up for him one of the best venues that, that we have. Oh, Congratulations. Every, every day for the past few years, I look at who's played there, you know, and it's my biggest inspirations. And so to be able to go do that in two weeks with someone like him and other folks on the roster that I can't talk about, but um, yet, uh, is just absolutely incredible. So I'm I'm on cloud nine for sure. <laughs> Congratulations and um, much respect to you for like scoring such an epic an epic start to this journey. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I there's somebody asking in the chat if you're playing with Lane Eight at Red Rocks. Um, I'm sure you could you couldn't tell if that was if that was part of you, you couldn't tell anyways. But just broken mirage in the next two weeks. But who knows what the future will hold. Well, you know, if you if you can if you can score a Blook and Mirage, Blook and Mirage date, uh, there's no doubt that the Red Ro Red Rocks may be in your future, and <laughs> I would love to see that for you. Thank you, thank you so much, Alex. This has been incredible. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us. Um, my name is Alex Diaz. This is Lucy Tudor. You've been tuned into Gray Area Live. Thank you so much for being with us today. Bye. Have a great weekend, everybody.